When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there that's all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, hint, 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 or do anything that you can to follow us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, NBA Draft Junkies, the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast, and our friends at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, he returns to us again, and this is going to be a part one, I'm hoping, of something really special that I can try and get as many NBA podcasters as I can that take care of selective teams. And this guy right here, he doesn't have a an NBA centric team podcast per se, but he is the mastermind behind the locked on NBA draft podcast. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the locked on NBA draft podcast. And of course, everything that he does relating to NBA draft junkies on YouTube and NBA draft junkies.com. As you know, and as you've heard many times on this show, he is a ardent Portland trailblazers fan. It is my good friend. Indeed. The man who was, told yes by his soon-to-be bride, and I'm so happy and still ecstatic to this day for him. It is my good friend indeed. It is Mr. Raphael Barlow. And Raphael, thanks for thanks for, being, thanks for coming back, man. I am back from the beaches of Hawaii just to come and talk to you, my friend. <laughs> well, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. And kind of jealous that, you know, you were in Hawaii while I was – I think uh, where was that? Here, here in Dallas. <laughs> so I would take Hawaii over Dallas. Were you watching Julius Randall ride in a bicycle this time around? Because you know we saw that one time before he had his tremendous season last year. No, I haven't. I haven't seen him. I don't think he lives by me. But no, I, I haven't seen him. I mean, whatever he he did last last summer, he he should just uh, stick to the same same game plan because he he definitely had a really a really good season. Absolutely, my friend. But Hawaii was sensational. Hint, hint to you and the future misses on possible honeymoon destinations. I'm just throwing that out there. But it was truly incredible, all the islands that we went to. But we're here to talk basketball, my friend. And as a man who loves the Portland Trailblazers almost as much, well, actually probably more than you love the NBA draft, or maybe just as much. We'll just say that. 
the Portland Trailblazers were a great part of the conversation this offseason. I know a lot of it is centered around Dame Lillard and what Damian Lillard's future will be like. He, according to recent podcasts, of course, according to recent comments and social media, blah, 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 blah. He's said that he is still a committed individual to what's going on in Portland, but he is keeping an eye, a rather sharp eye on what's going on in offseason moves. And so far, they have retained Norman Powell on a five-year, $90 million deal. They got Larry Nance Jr., hopefully to help that poorest defense in a three-team trade with the Cavs and the Bulls. They got Cody Zeller on a vet minimum. Ben McLemore is still, I think, what, on a minimum as well. They drafted Greg Brown, the very athletic player out of Texas that you and I have talked about before as a second-round pick. Uh, they got Trendon Watford on a two-way. Tony Snell, I think, is another vet minimum. Dennis Smith, I think, is a non-guaranteed deal. Marquise Chris is a non-guaranteed deal. And Patrick Patterson, who they signed today on a non-guaranteed deal to compete in camp for a spot. So there you have it, my friend, plus all the stuff that's going on with your team already. I want to hear your thoughts on what your expectations are for this season for the Portland Trailblazers. Man, that's a tough question. <laughs> you knew I was going to ask oh. it. Yeah. Well, one, they have to stay healthy. I mean, that's that's the main thing is staying healthy. It seems like the last few years, you know, whether it was CJ missing time this year or this past season, the year before, I mean, they were decimated with injuries, and that's how they ended up bringing in. Carmelo, um, Cantor's missed plenty of times. So if they can stay healthy, then I think that they'll they'll be good. As far as just like how far they can go in the playoffs, I don't know. I thought they've had a pretty interesting offseason. I mean, it was definitely dominated by all the talk about Dane, whether or not he's leaving. I think that he's I'm at, I don't see him leaving, to be honest with you. I think he was just frustrated, which, you know, as you could expect, he would be frustrated after losing in the first round again. But Dame is, from all we've known, has been loyal. And I think that seeing Giannis win in Milwaukee and, you know, a small market team, the team that drafted him, I think that probably helps Portland out a little bit. Uh, I definitely don't think that it was Terry Stott's fault. I don't think that he was the issue. I think the issue was injuries and, and just roster construction. I mean, the Blazers weren't athletic at all. And, you know, anytime you have Melo and Cantor expected to play a lot of minutes, then your your, your defense, your interior defense is going to be – it's definitely not going to be that good. But I feel this offseason they've added athleticism. I mean, Derek Jones Jr. is a freak athlete, but – They've added athleticism and skill and in, in defense. I think Nance is going to be upgrade. I think he's a, a pretty good passer. Zeller is good to see him get out of Charlotte. Seemed like he had been there forever. Tony Snell is like an underrated pickup. I don't know why he doesn't play a lot, but if you look at his numbers the last couple of years, it's been crazy. Like last year, I want to say he shot like 50, 50, 100. <laughs> That was the shooting splits. And it wasn't in a lot of minutes. And I don't know if he just doesn't take shots. But if he can, I mean, just knock down open shots, which he has been doing. But if he can come in and contribute, then 
I mean, that, that could be one of the more underrated pickups. Yeah, I mean, last season, he played in 47 games, shot 51% from the floor, 57% from three, and 1,000% from the free throw line, but only five points per game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that could be an underrated pickup. Dennis Smith Jr., that's a risk, uh, you know, high risk or risk reward. Same with Marquise Chris. Maybe Michael Beasley will end up on the team. So I think they've had a sneaky good offseason. I don't know if it's enough to really, you know, make a lot of noise in, in the West. So right now, I know that some point in time, we are going to go ahead and do our season preview where we go over. And we had, that was such a great episode that we did last year predicting what was to come in the NBA season. Although neither of our picks were right for the finals because it was Brooklyn, L.A. at that point in time. And now flash forward a year later, it may likely be Brooklyn, L.A. again. But we're going to go ahead into another episode coming down the line before the season starts on that one. Seeing where you're at right now with the Portland Trailblazers, and let's focus on them. Where do you see them competing in the Western Conference? Where do you see them realistically? You know, it's tough to say because they've been competitive the last few years without really being healthy. And if it's if the defense improves and they can stay healthy, which hasn't been the case, then they, they may be able to be a, a team that is, you know, a, I don't know about top four, but maybe a team that can end up being like the sixth seed, best case scenario. But it's a matter of health. You know, you got a rookie coach, and if the defense can improve – you know, they've given up on Zach Collins, who everybody had been expecting to be like the, not necessarily the difference maker, but definitely someone that was going to be a, a high-level role player, high-level starter. And, I mean, he just has not played much in the last three years. And I would say best-case scenario, maybe like a 60. And that's just off the top of my head without breaking down all the, the teams in the West. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you is, I think, like you said, obviously staying healthy is number one. Like you said, with the, the whole entire roster losing a great percentage of the season to injury, it led to a lot of things, including the 29th-ranked defense. That's something I think that needs to be an area of concern and a point of contention for new coach Chauncey Billups. How do you think he's going to be able to incorporate a new defense? I mean, obviously he has that defensive background from his days with Detroit and the championship that they beat the Lakers on back in 2004. I want to hear your thoughts on this. And then also, you know, like I said, when it comes to Portland, the overwhelming factor is with Ben Simmons, they're there, you know, that's one of the destinations that's been talked about. No, 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 no. Okay. So even though you have the 29th ranked defense, you think Larry Nance, Larry Nance is a step in the right direction. If he, if he's healthy, you know, that's the part hardest thing for him is staying healthy. He can really help that defense, but, I, I see that Ben Simmons looks for you not to be the answer. Well, I mean, if you get Ben, you're giving up CJ or Dame. That's not going to make you better. Defensively, Ben will help if he is on the team with Dame and CJ. But then in the playoffs, he's just going to disappear. So, <laughs> I mean, like if he's, you know, in the East, he does good in the first round against, you know, Washington and the year before or the year before, two years before that, a Brooklyn team that wasn't good. But in the West, your first-round matchup, no matter where you're seated, is going to be a tough team. I just yeah. don't see him 
doing anything in the, any pressure moments. And I just, I'm just not a big Ben Simmons fan, so I may be a little bit biased there. I'm someone I was saying I would have taken Brandon Ingram number one. But Ben just seems like a guy that is just naturally gifted, naturally talented, but just really could care less about getting better, doing the things that is asked of him to make everyone better. And he's been enabled. And, you know, I mean, what could be so bad in Philly that he decides to basically quit on the team? Is it just because Joel made a comment that somebody passed up a, a dunk and we only got one free throw or – Doc saying, I don't know if Ben Simmons could be the point guard on a winning team. And after all of that, he decides I don't want to play with him anymore. That's just not somebody that I would want on my team. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's going to be a hard thing for him to go ahead. And for all this concern, this Ben Simmons saga is going to drag on out and, you know, just trying to find the right team and Daryl Morey trying to get as much as he can out of it and being hindered by what's going on with this whole scenario. So, We'll see how that rectifies itself. Uh, but, yes, you're right. If he goes to Portland, he would have to go for most likely C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard, and I don't think at this point Portland's willing to budge on that. So uh, I think right now a lot of it is can you keep Yusuf Nurkic healthy? Can you keep the individuals on that team healthy? And if you can, I think you've got a good chance to go ahead and be in that four through eight seeding like you said, six is right around what I'm thinking about as well, maybe even fifth. I mean, that's something that really can happen if they get the defense a little bit better up to par this year. Yeah, defensively, and the thing I like about Nance is that he gives them another ball mover, another guy that can make plays for others. I know that was kind of one of my issues with Portland is that they didn't have guys that could make a play for others. You gave them all to say Carmelo, you know it's going up. If it was Derek Jones Jr., it was going up. Like, they didn't have another guy that could at least put the ball on the floor and make a play. I think with Nance, he's someone that can – they can run a, a high screen and roll for him. And if he has the ball in the middle of the floor, he has the vision and the passing instincts to whether it's throw a lob to, like, Nurk or, or you know, a pocket pass or hit the ball find guys in the corner. So I think adding another guy that has good passing instincts to help. And then, I mean, we already know he's athletic, but he's natural four. And so the Blazers haven't had a natural four that is athletic and can defend in, in quite some time. So I like to pick up, I think he's underrated, but you know, it's just a matter of him staying healthy. And if he can space the floor on offense. I agree with you on that. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough, though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out of it. 
Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars. Click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow. You got to catch what he's doing today at NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, and of course, his amazing podcast. Are you doing Fridays still, or is it just you Mondays and Thursdays? Uh, I'm scheduled for Mondays and Thursdays, but the Friday slot is open. So if I have like a great podcast that I need to split in two, then I'll, I'll put it on on Fridays. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, adding a, a third day. It's just right now, it's such a dead period. And, you know, it's already tough enough to come up with podcast content <laughs> twice a week. Unless I get good guests on or somebody that talks a lot. And right now, I mean, I've really only been able to talk about a lot of the international prospects because they've played more recently in, in FIBA play. But um, right now, it's just set for two days. But I, I will occasionally throw in a Friday episode. Well, it's, again, it's a must listen for any NBA draft aficionados or anybody who likes to know more about the prospects that are out there that are coming in upcoming drafts. Plus, they give, uh, you know, in late sh- later shows recently, uh, recent shows, they've actually talked about the NBA as a whole and the, obviously what they saw from Summer League and what they saw from the draft and going forward. So some interesting shows still can be had each and every day out on the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Raphael, how do you, as a Portland Trailblazers fan, perceive the Lakers so far, what they've done and their outlook you know, you could just gloss over it because, again, we're going to go ahead and cover this in greater detail on our season preview coming up as it gets closer to the season. But what are your thoughts so far on the Lakers and where they stand? Uh, the Lakers? I'm not a Lakers fan, so I might be a little bit biased here. Well, that's fine. But you know it. You've always been very gracious on the show, either which way. Yeah, I mean, even though I may be biased, I still try to, you know, make valid comments. And So here's my thing about the Lakers offseason if Bron doesn't get hurt and AD doesn't get hurt or take the year off in a sense they were fine I don't understand why they totally totally tore the team apart they were if I'm not mistaken weren't they in first place before the injuries yeah before the injuries started they were in first place uh, and then again they were leading Phoenix two games to one and actually just clowning Jay Crowder at the night, you know, in the game before. And they were only down by one point in the second quarter when Anthony Davis got hurt. And obviously that turned around that series, but yes, I mean, you, with, you saw from last season, they, they were still a first place team before all the injuries hit. Yeah. And the guys that were injured are the same guys that they're, they're bringing back. I mean, I know Schroeder had COVID towards the end of the year or whatever, me personally, and I'm saying this, you know, as being as objective as possible, I probably would have made some minor tweaks, but I, I would have kept the same team. I think this year's squad has more questions than last year's. Um, but yeah, I just felt like as a person who does not like the Lakers, they was they were still scary. They were still where they projected to be. They were number one. And this is with AD not having a strong year. Even when he was playing, there were times where it just seemed like. like Just not all there. Yeah. Like he didn't have the 
older. I know, like, during the, the bubble, he shot, like, 38% from the playoffs, 38% from three. He wasn't shooting the ball. Well, even though that was, like, an outlier stretch of games. But, yeah, it you can make a case and say this was probably one of AD's worst seasons as a pro. I mean, maybe statistically he was still better than he was early in his career in New Orleans, but he just wasn't the same Anthony Davis. And they were still number one. So to me, it wasn't the supporting cast that was the issue. And on the outside looking in, it just seems like the supporting cast was blamed and they just brought in a whole new group of guys to, you know, support LeBron and AD. I personally thought the Buddy Hill trade would have made more sense for the roster construction than Westbrook. And I think there's going to be a lot of questions. I mean, obviously they got a whole lot older. <laughs> like Rondo's like the sixth youngest or the sixth oldest or youngest, however you put it. And he's like 35, if I'm not mistaken. Or 34, 35 in that 34, range. 34, yes. 35. So it's – I know the NBA is getting younger and younger and younger by the year, but – um yeah, I just feel like that it's going to be very interesting to see how they mesh all these pieces together. I'm I'm a I'm a big Westbrook fan. Like I love Westbrook. I love what he brings to the table. I love how he brings it every night. I just don't think he's a good fit with the Lakers, especially the Lakers. This is the same team in the 2020 bubble that chose not to defend. They were literally. If he had the ball at the top of the key, they were sagging in the paint and just kind of zoning with him. So I don't understand, like, why they think that if they were guarding him that way, why wouldn't other teams guard them? So a lot of questions. I personally don't like, and I know this is a long-winded answer, I don't like their move. I thought last year's team was better than this year's team. Well, this is some of the same things that I had said in regards to Westbrook and why my concerns. I think that they're going to be a great regular season team. I still have questions in the playoffs just for those same reasons you were talking about. And this is something that you and I, when we were doing shows nightly during the NBA playoffs in the bubble, something we brought up as far as how they slacked off on Westbrook and let him shoot because he statistically is one of the worst NBA three-point shooters of all time. And that's something you can't run away from. It's something that's there. It's statistics. It's right there. And it's something that, as a Lakers fan, you have to be cognizant and aware and aware of. And I know that some people try to gloss over that, but it is a reality. I'm not concerned as much as far as the regular season concerns. As long as they stay healthy, I think they're going to do very well. Again, it comes down to matchups. And to me, it, you know, with Laker Tom, God bless you, Laker Tom. But, you know, you're always talking about superstars, uh, you know, in the playoffs. It's about superstars. No, it's about the matchups on those superstars and how you play them and how you go ahead and defend them or how you go ahead and attack them if they have any weaknesses. And someone like Westbrook, I mean, if I'm an opposite coach, I'm that's what I'm going to target, one of the areas I'm going to look at. I mean, the Lakers, how do they go ahead and easily defeat Houston after that first game? That's one of the things that they targeted. So, if you're the Lakers, you're going to have to figure out and scheme a way that that you're going to go ahead and minimize the negatives that Westbrook has at this point in time. So you're going to have to figure out a way to go ahead and fight against those schemes that people are going to throw at you in the playoffs. And if they can, they can figure that out. And if they can also keep that transition game going, watch out because 
they could be really on their way to doing something. But there's some issues. There's some concerns. The age, the, the backcourt defense, the perimeter defense, I'm still worried about. But, yeah, I mean, if everything goes right, this could be something that we could be seeing as far as a, a great team is concerned. But, you know, with, with Brooklyn, I mean, if you're you're an old all-star out there, my friend, if you're an old all-star, Brooklyn or L.A., they want you. Yeah. Another thing that I feel like has not been mentioned enough is Westbrook likes to play at a very fast pace because the faster the pace, it limits him playing half court. And we know that in the half court is where he struggles. Bron doesn't like to play fast. You know, everybody thinks that. I, I don't know. In the bubble, that's what was part of their ways of winning. Their transition game was a key to them winning the championship in the bubble. Well, yeah, I mean, but AD was sprinting down the floor, outrunning guys. But I still think that was somewhat of an outlier because Anthony Davis was playing the best ball of his career as far as just being able to stretch the floor. I mean, he made so many plays off of just his effort. I mean, game-winning shots, all of that. Um, Yeah, I I just don't know if Westbrook and LeBron are the two pieces that are – I don't know if they necessarily complement each other well, but then you never know. I mean, like a lot of people had concerns about Rondo as a shooter. And then in the bubble, Rondo was looking like (laughs) a lights out shooter. And then he, you know, I don't know what he was doing the last, the last season or whatever. But um, season Rondo to playoff Rondo. But then again, in the Clippers, you know, that didn't work out very well. Yeah. He couldn't, couldn't get it going. I mean, but you know, it, it seemed like it was just, his plan to come back to the Lakers all along. Like, look, I'm going to go get my money here, and then I'm going to just kind of find my way back to back to L.A. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just – I don't even know who, who I would say who their starting lineup is. I mean, I would say, obviously, Westbrook, LeBron, A.D. at the four. Um, are you going Dwight at the five? You and I both know that the team is best suited when A.D. plays the five, but – for the most part during the regular season, they're going to follow the same type of formula that they did in 2019, 2020 and have him play the four most of that season alongside a big guy. Yeah. And I think what's also interesting is that I think, or at least from what I've read or heard that the Gasol brothers would love to play together at at one point. Um, Obviously the Lakers weren't interested in bringing Powell back. And then even now in Barcelona, Powell is not even on that roster in Barcelona. And so I don't even think that they'll be able to play together there unless they went to another team in Spain, but I don't even think they'd play together there. So yeah, I, I'm curious to see what happens, but who do you think is starts at the two? Are you going with Monk? I'm go- I'm going with none. I really think none. To me, Monk is a wild card. Monk, if a lot of people are high on, and a lot of people are just forgetting about. It. I think Monk is going to have to have a great season because he's a free agent. None could at least, if he has a bad season, pick up the second year of that contract because that's his choice to do, and he still gets paid five some five something million dollars. So he, you know, that that's what he wants, or he could walk away from it after this season. I think none, from what I'm seeing. I think he's the best option at, at the at the shooting guard now, especially because you have Rondo in place to cover that those ten to fifteen minutes a game, you know, as a backup point guard. 
I would like to see Monk and Nunn get a lot of time, but then you've got Wayne Ellington, and then you've got what, what is Kent Bazemore? What is he playing small forward? Is he a guard? You know, there there's so many different things that you got as far as the, these veterans are concerned. So Ariza, Ariza, what you know, what's he going to be doing? Is he still anywhere near the same player? Because as what we saw since the you know the issues he had about the bubble and he didn't play in the bubble, and then he kind of slacked off, uh, didn't have the kind of greatest season in the world with Miami. So we don't know what we're going to get when it comes to LA at this point. And he's the oldest or second oldest. Uh, he he's he's up there as far as you know, uh, even in the upper ages of all the old Lakers, he's up there as well. So. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. But, yeah, I'm I'm thinking if I was right now saying which one I would start at shooting guard, I would say Kendrick Nunn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Nunn. Uh, I actually had a chance to meet him in, in Miami watching him uh, work out. This time. He wasn't doing on-court stuff. It was right after the season. Good guy, so I'm definitely rooting for him to have, have a good year. I think I would start Monk. And the reason I would start Monk is because – I think that he is with the guys in the starting lineup. It will make him easy. It will, I think that's the best group for him as far as to be able to maximize his talents. So if he's on the floor with Bron and AD and Russ, then all he literally has to do is run the floor and spot up and shoot. And I, I think you get the most out of him when you surround him by all of those guys. I think in the second unit, he may be asked to do a little bit more. That's just my opinion. Because I would run maybe Rondo and Nunn together. But then again, you got Ellington. I don't know. It, it's it, it's weird, but I think I would probably start Monk just because I think he gives them some much-needed athleticism. And he's he's longer than Nunn. So um, that's, what, that's what my choice would be. I think ultimately I think they're going to choose someone like Ellington personally i think that that's something that they feel more comfortable with plus he's a you know a consistent 40 percent shooter monk has just hit 40 percent in one year i know with none he's a score a little bit better a score than he is a shooter but i really like the way that none performed in the finals when called upon it's funny because he was either a coach's decision sitting on the bench or come in and score 20 points so you didn't know what you got every single time out from kendrick none but I agree with you. You know, just somebody that can go ahead and provide and, you know, as far as stretching the floor, that's what I'm worried about. Just someone who will provide that kind of offensive burst and be able to score in double digits, be able to, you know, to show, hey, if LeBron's off or AD is off, I can score 20. Give me, give me the ball and I'll shoot and I'll score 20. That's, that's all I'm asking for is someone who can provide a nice diversion and to, and to give some pressure off of, Russell Westbrook, you know, in, in the half court offense. So that's what I'm looking for. So hopefully that will happen. But yes, I think the Lakers are going to be very competitive. I know they're considered one of the favorites this year as far as the NBA is concerned. But we will go into that in a later point in time as far as our season preview is concerned. As it gets closer, I do enjoy that podcast when we do it. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, hoopheads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. 
Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. But before we head on out, my friend, you are the mastermind behind all that is the NBA draft. You are the one of the actually the most knowledgeable person I know because I don't know Chad Ford, who is your your compadre now. Now that you guys worked on so much, but I wanted to ask you this: in recent weeks, we've seen the whole landscape of how these players that are coming out of high school and and what their the decisions and the choices that they're making are changing. Obviously, with the court agreement that you know took place with them, that these kids going to college can go ahead and earn money doing things like you know advertisements, promos, things of that nature. So they can now make upwards of seven figures or more while they're still in college. That's something that that can lure kids back to going to college. We've seen also as well in the past with Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga who are the prime examples of what they can do in the G League with the G League Ignite. And we've seen them go through a season there and where they were drafted both in the top 10 with a lot of people expecting great things from Jalen Green primarily. I want to hear your thoughts, though, because in recent weeks, a group, Overtime Elite, has burst onto the scene signing a lot, and I mean a lot, of four- and five-star prospects prospects are going to go high in next year's draft and beyond this overtime elite league overtime elite team is going to be competing against uh, like teams all across the, uh, the country and even overseas and in fact they're even bringing people from overseas to join this team so i want to hear your thoughts on this overtime elite concept how did it grow so fast so quick and where do you think it's going to go yeah i mean i had a lot of questions i was actually trying to get someone on my podcast still working on that now i you know i don't, I don't know how it's going to work out i think it's good i mean I, I, from what i read each kid this is, is not get... a, and just and just to let everybody know i apologize this is not a bbb thing this is not a you know just a fly-by-night thing where it was just a name for a second and then it got disbanded this is something that's real and legitimate more legitimate i should say well i mean i think the big baller brand league so we're time elite can fly. I mean, I guess that's the, that's the comment. Cause I mean, the, some of the concepts are very similar. So LeVar was kind of ahead of his time. The biggest difference is overtime elite has, I forgot the number, but they have quite a few like NBA players that have invested into this league. Like, I read Kevin Durant has invested 10 million and, they definitely have the resources. I know just two summers ago, I was asking someone, like, how are they making money? Because they were, I mean, they were following high school kids around and international prospects and, you know, just kind of creating content for, I guess, Generation Z who eats it all up. So, I mean, they've been making a lot of videos and kind of building their brand that way. And so it, it kind of, I was trying to figure out what was the end game. Because as someone had told me that they weren't making money, 
and then I guess this is the end game is that they're going to they're going to start their own league and then they're going to be able to sell like merchandise and get TV rights and all, all the stuff like that. So, I mean, I like the concept as far as who they're going to play. I think that's going to be interesting because I've read some of the schools can't won't play them like the Oak Hills and the Mountain Verge. They're not going to be on their schedule. And then I read some other like um prep schools are not going to play them because they went to recruit some of their players away from that team. Mm-hmm. So I know they're going to play against each other. What I would love to see is them play like some of the second division or junior teams in Europe. So like Real Madrid has at least 10 guys that I can say are legitimate NBA prospects in their system. And Real Madrid is the same club that Luka Doncic came from. So seeing overtime elite play teams like that or like the FC Barcelona junior teams, I think that would be really, really good because there's a lot of teams in Spain that have guys that are the same age that are developing as pros. I think that would be interesting to see if they can play in like that league or even like the Adidas Next Generation tournament. Um, Their best player, at least in my opinion, their best player is Gene Montero. And he's from the Dominican Republic. He actually played some AU ball in the States, had like a really breakout summer playing like 15U. I want to say he led the EYBL in scoring, but then he went over and played for Gran Canaria team in Spain. So he'll be familiar with that. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it works out. I mean, it just kind of spreads the talent out. And now, like, you know, when you have this top recruit, you're you have to wonder, is he going to go to Duke? Is he going to go to Kansas? Is he going to go to Kentucky? Is he going to go to Overtime Elite? Is he going to go to Australia, NBL? Or is he going to go to the G League? So it's uh, it's definitely changed the landscape. I mean, we've seen with the NIL, we've seen Kentucky get the number one recruit. We've seen Duke have a good recruiting class. So it hasn't killed college basketball, but it's just giving kids better options. But as far as like Overtime Elite, I still want to know, like, how they're going to round their schedule out. Like, you know, how are they going to play a full schedule? Because right now, if, if there's, I think there's four teams. Well, I think there's 24 players, if I'm not mistaken. So it might be three teams. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, are they going to play each other the whole time? So I haven't seen a schedule yet. So it's, I still feel like there's a lot of questions to be answered. But, again, I, I like the concept. Well, again, it comes down to the point where what impressed me and the reason why I asked you is, I didn't think this was going to be more of a fly-by-night situation that we saw with BBB. Unfortunately, they just didn't weren't able to sustain the finances necessary for keeping alive. And like you said, I, I understood and read into some of the people behind the investment. There's There's money backing this up at this point in time. So I think that if this overtime elite succeeds, it's a lot because of the fact that there's a lot of people that are confident and willing to back that up already. And I think if if they can get a, a good money TV deal, you know that it's going to be something that a lot of kids will go on, want to go and play for in the in the coming years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their whole marketing aspect of it is going to be interesting because it's. I, I imagine like it's not going to be like I imagine they're going to have to make the games exciting to watch. They're going to have to make a product that really is targeted to Generation Z. But at the same time, they're going to have to make it where the guys are actually getting better. And it's like a real structured league. 
Because, I mean, I think the advantages are with the G League as far as just structure, development, just because it's affiliated with the NBA. And then also the overtime elite is going to – they're going after younger guys, you know, still two years away. I wonder is it going to have like this AAU-type feel to it, which could be beneficial from the marketing aspect and getting players involved. But as far as like the development side of it, that's where, you know, it could be a little different because they're going to have to do something to compete with the G League that's going to make it – you know, make it so that it's that kids are choosing that route over the G League. The G League definitely has, you know, the NBA behind it. And that's something I want to ask you that uh, real quick as we close this conversation out. Of course, the NIL with the decision that was made to go ahead and allow individuals going to college and earn money while in college has led to some big paydays. I mean, there's some kids now, especially in the college football ranks, that are earning close to, if not over, $1 million a year for certain things yeah. that they're signing for as far as agreements, endorsements, things of that nature. I mean, that's obviously something that comes into play. And I'm glad to see that college basketball is, is going to benefit from that because they're not going to lose out on every candidate now from going overseas or going to the G League or Overtime Elite. Now these players have a choice to go and a good choice that they'll benefit from even if they don't end up being NBA players. The one thing I want to ask you, though, is the G League Ignite. And this is something that, again, this time last year, you and I were talking about it, about the effectiveness of it and, and what was going to go, what was going to happen with some of these players. We've seen two, basically two of these players really benefit from their time there at the G League uh, Ignite. I really think when it comes down to maybe you could say Isaiah Todd, but Dacia Nix uh, really didn't benefit from his time there, should have stayed in school, in my opinion. I want to hear your thoughts with this kind of knowledge now and a year going in. Is the NBA going to continue this concept of the G League Ignite? I mean, they have a new coach in place. And I want to ask you this. This is something because right now, Overtime Elite's getting all the pub. And if they're not getting the pub, then these kids, these four and five star recruits are going to the colleges. What is the NBA going to do in order to get the G League Ignite to, again, be on the same level and have these kids think, you know what, this is the best place to go? Because ultimately, I think on its concept and seeing its first year running, I kind of like, if I, was, if I had a kid that was going in that, at that age and you were, you know, he was on your radar as someone who could possibly be draft eligible, I would personally seek out the G League Ignite because I think that's the best place to develop most of these kids. Yeah, I mean, the G League Ignite, they have Jalen Hardy, who's from, well, he went to school in your neck of the woods in, in Vegas, so he's yeah. projected to be a top 10 pick. They still have some talented guys. Uh, Mike Foster is another guy. But I so think I would, what happened after, well, let me say this. I think what happened after this past year, before the Overtime Elite came to existence or came to uh, fruition, I think a lot of people were expecting once this first year was done and the, this first class was was graduated that they would start getting a lot more high profile players. Yeah, but also I mean Australia had a good a good year also as far as like the next stars program like they got to kill Usman Jang from France who is projected to go top ten. He chose Australia over the G League and the um, overtime. They also had a kid. That was in this year's draft. Well, and then he pulled out, but he led France's second division in scoring. He chose to go over there and play. So the 
I mean, you can make a case and say that the NBL in Australia made the biggest comeback because we thought after LaMelo and RJ went and then with the G League offering like Jalen Green, I thought Australia's Next Stars program was was on the decline. So um, I still think the G League is – who that's tough because you can make money in college now. So I don't know what what is the best option. It still well, may let's be – Let's say you had a son that was at that level that was on the verge of going and making a decision on a college overtime elite Australia and the G League Ignite. And you know what you know from your background and expertise in the industry. What would you advise that that individual to do or to choose? Oh, well, at this point, since the playing field is even, then you got to go to college. The college game is going to be more, I mean, more publicity. So you think about. Well, I mean, what's do, the best for their development? What is the best for that development? I mean, you can say the G League, but I mean, like, if you go to Duke, right, mm-hmm. you can make more money than what they're making in the G League. And Duke has a strong history of, you know, sending guys to the league. Same with Kentucky. It's going to be tough for the G League or any program to say that we have a better development track record than the University of Kentucky. Yeah. And so now the playing field is even because they can make millions over the table. <laughs> not necessarily under the table and you still get you know the NCAA tournament you still get the I don't even know if it's big Monday the college rivalries and all of that and I think that you know like Zion for example if Zion was there during the NIL days he could have probably made as much as he's making on his NBA contract Yep, with all the exposure and so on, he would not have got the same exposure in the G League. Like even like during this year, and I may I know it's kind of an odd year, but I was actually in LA during the opening week of the G League bubble, and those games came on at eight o'clock in the morning, <laughs> West Coast time. So uh, so, you know, I've heard Jalen Green not publicly, but I've heard him. St- people telling me that he's saying that if he would have went the college route and had the same, you know, evening games or ESPN games as Kay Cunningham, then he felt like the gap would have been closer. Not everybody would have been just a lock as, as Kay Cunningham. So I think belongs to, that's a long answer, but I think with the playing field being somewhat even now, I still think college may be the best option because you know, you still got your schools that have a track record of sending guys to the league, but also you can make even more money with the NIL because there's no cap to it. I'm just worried because, you know, these kids, if you want them to have the best development too, it's not just about taking the money now. It's about what kind of money you can earn going forward and becoming the best basketball player. And yes, some of these machines like Gonzaga, Duke, Kansas, you're going to go ahead and be in Kentucky. You're going to go ahead and be, seen in front of uh, you know eyeballs everywhere and play against some of the best teams across the country with the G League Ignite I mean it's not as heavily advertised but you've got NBA officials there NBA coaches you've got you're playing against sometimes NBA players already that have played in the league and some that are actually like you know high drafted rookies you know for the Warriors for instance it could be a clear possibility that Jonathan Kaminga who is a top 10 pick play a considerable amount of time in the G league. So that's also something to consider if you're wanting to go ahead with the G league ignite, that's, 
I'm not trying to say I'm rooting more for G League Ignite, but because I really think the NBA has uh, taken for granted that they just they just roll it out there that all these kids are going to come flying in, and they're realizing now that's not the case, so they have to do even more to make it more beneficial for them. But I really think you know the development program, if it's done right, could end up being the best for these kids in the long term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be. I mean, it's going to take more than a year to figure out which is the best option because you could say, you know, if Knicks goes to UCLA like he signed with, maybe he gets drafted. Maybe he doesn't, but he didn't get drafted. And Isaiah Todd, I don't think going to the G League helped his stock either, which I thought he played very well. I really thought that he, I mean, he's 6'10", can shoot. Had a good percentage. He still didn't end up being a first round pick. Maybe if he goes to Michigan and he's the man there, then maybe he's a first round pick. So I don't know. I mean, I think that it's going to be something that's going to be debated for a while. But I do think that the G League, you know, they have what they're selling. NBA, you can make money. You know, the most heavily scouted college has their advantage of. You know, we're college. You go to Duke, you go to, you get the exposure, you can make unlimited money. We have a track record and you get the college experience. I wonder what overtime's pitch is going to be going forward. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to come up with like some really creative marketing or the fact that they're going to get guys as like ninth and 10th graders in their, in their program. So that's that's like the big question for me is like what is going to be their main pitch long term? Watch out, elementary schools! Overtime elite may be coming soon to you. Oh, I'm I'm not gonna be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if there's overtime elite middle school, but again, they're using the you know a lot of the European model. I mean, there was a kid that I watched this summer. He was one of my favorite players to watch. His name is Jan Vide. It's spelled like J-A-N-V-I-D-E, but I think it's V-Day. He averaged 27 points per game at the under-16s. It's a lazy comparison, like Goran Dragic and Luka Doncic. I know they're, they're all from Slovenia, but he was dominant. But he's already in Real Madrid's system, where if a kid that's 15 years old now in the States, he can't go to the G League, he can't go to college. His only option is either regular high school or overtime elite. So that's where I think overtime may have an advantage a little bit because they can get guys in their system a little bit earlier. But everybody has to recruit now. So, and you're recruiting against Australia, overtime, college, G League. So it's Europe. Europe. Yeah. So the money's going to be flowing from all different directions for, for these high level recruits. But, you know, the individual that's going to keep an eye on all of them is right here with me. That is Rafael Barlow. So before we head on out, my friend, it's time for the magic pitch that only you can do. You got to go ahead and let everybody know why they need to check out NBA Draft Junkies, NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, and, of course, what you're doing at the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Yeah, so I'm on Locked On NBA Draft every Monday and Thursday. I have this goal of trying to put out maybe three videos a week on my YouTube channel. But the main thing that I'm going to focus on this year is, as you would call it, an experience, but making 
my NBA Draft Junkies website, updating it more. A lot of times I would, or at least in the past, I would do a mock draft every few months and then just kind of post videos. But now I'm going to start writing more articles, updating like player scouting reports on the players, just kind of make it more interactive. I mean, I'm a one-man team, so it's going to be you know, a little tough to do it all, but I'm, I'm up for the challenge, and it's what I like doing. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be some changes, I think, for the positive going forward this year. Absolutely. I do like the episode you had a couple weeks back with the future Mrs. Barlow reading some mailbag questions on there. I thought that was really enjoyable between interaction between you two. You guys are so cute. It's so cute. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, she'll, she'll be on again. That one actually did pretty well. So I, I plan on having her on again. Oh, that's awesome. Again, my, my wholehearted congratulations. Hawaii, honeymoon, honeymoon, Hawaii. <laughs> just saying, just saying. But I'll tell you what, my friend, you've been a sensational help to us here at the Lakers Fast Break. I wish you continued success. Again, I'm going to bring you on obviously for our season preview and everything else going forward if we hear more on the NBA draft. But you are just a sensational outlay for everyone out there if they want to know more about the NBA draft. If you can go ahead and, again, check out NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, nbadraftjunkies.com, and, of course, everything that you do every Monday and Thursday and sometimes Friday at the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, you are doing yourself a great favor on the NBA Draft indeed. My friend, it's just been great talking to you. Again, if you have any questions for us at Lakers Fast Break, lakersfastbreak at yahoo.com. I know Laker Tom, Jamie Sweet, Sean Grice, the guys all from Lakerholics say hi. I will be seeing them on the weekend here in the not-too-distant future. I might return to them. I don't know if that's good for me, but we'll do that anyways. It's always like going into the lion's den with those guys, but we'll see what happens there. But my friend, it's been great having you on once again, dropping the knowledge on the Blazers, your thoughts on the Lakers, and also what's going on with the NBA draft right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.